Searching for clues to discover God's mysterious plan for your family? Then don't change that dial. Join us now in our discussion of the mystery of parenthood. Here are your hosts, Trey and Stephanie Cashin. Good morning. This is Trey and that is Stephanie. Good morning. Good morning. And you have joined us for the mystery of parenthood. Thaddeus is here (laughs) and um, we're going to start with our prayer because we need it. (laughs) In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, grant that every family on earth may become, for each successive generation, a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. And grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. And grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the Church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in and through our families. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love, with the Son and the Holy Spirit, Holy Family of Nazareth. Pray for us. St. John Paul II. Pray for for us. us. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. We're you're we're chuckling. The trials that we go through, like May. <laughs> we, Sweet Mary's uh, month. That's Who awesome. That? No, it's great. I, yeah, was I telling you the other day that some Christian woman blogger was like, "Who put okay, Mother's, who's day, put Mother's in day in May?" <laughs> but, I saw that. Oh uh, yeah, man! Did. But, uh, but anyway, we're we're. Uh, we're happy to be here. Happy, glad you're glad you're listening, and um, and hope this is profitable for you. We're we are uh, like I hope many of you. I assume most of y'all are uh, quite busy this time of year, and it and is. It's, it's just time a crazy. To, yeah, it was so. Um, I was so jealous. Our daughter just got back from Haiti. She did a mission mission trip in Haiti. She's actually the first Cashin to ever go on a. Uh, out of the country mission trip. Um, yeah, we're on mission every day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Uh, how you doing, folks? Thaddeus uh, <laughs> is here. The the yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Let me tell you, the, this is going to be an interesting episode because they, they are in a <laughs> we're in a mood, in an interesting way to. Uh, yeah, it's all love. Uh, we love. We love. <laughs> No, but I just, um, it was so um, interesting to hear her talk about another culture and um, how um, the Haitians um, are just on a different time clock. Um, yes. And to be involved in a different culture um, wow. was so, um, it was so refreshing. And um, and like I said, I was a little bit jealous because uh, I think I figured out I'm, I live in the wrong country. <laughs> <laughs> so Haitians, like time is not like a they're not, they're, in, they're a not in a hurry and so if they say mass is at eight she said they get there at 8 30 and they may still be decorating the church or getting ready to go it was there like was when everybody not gets this there, you know? yeah it's, when everybody gets there that's when it starts i'm like oh, i live in the wrong country <laughs> <laughs> i mean but it was you know it, it like she was saying that and i think this is fitting and it, it's a reminder because like she was at, they, they apparently asked each other, like, what are you going to bring back? You know, what do you hope to bring back from Haiti to to try to bring into the world where we live? Because we're going to be back in College Station before too long. And, and as I listened to her, you know, she was saying, look, you know, we didn't have our phones other than to take pictures. You know, we didn't have strict, like, be here at this time. And... And there were a couple of things that jumped out at me. She was able, and she shared a, a, an encounter or several encounters she had with people. And what I was thinking was, is how frequently here, you know, because you're on a time crunch, that you may pass by somebody that you could really either impact or that person could impact you because you don't even see them. It's a beeline. I've got to be here for this or there for that. And, you know... That's part of why we're as crazy as we are right now. Is everybody, we're, we're we're all running here to get 
get here, uh, try to get here on time. And of course we're not. And that is being the kind of person that he is puts up with us, but <laughs> no, just kidding. But no, just kidding. no, it's true though. But I mean, and, and, but it, but it's like you jam pack your schedules and to hear her say how freeing it was to just like, if you saw a person you want to talk to, you just talk to them. And I know that's not, you know, air quotes, realistic in today's because people, but I think sometimes, at least I do, I leave very little time for the things that come, that are off the plan. I, I tend to pack my schedule and therefore if anything happens, like what happened today where somebody walks in, you know, that I was not expecting that I, that I needed to take care of at that moment it throws everything else into it, including including my attitude, you know, and and the way that I approach it. And I, and I don't know if anybody else is out there. I know Stephanie and I, I think Stephanie would agree. Thaddeus probably doesn't. They're, they're perfect. They're romantic. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> but come live you heard with it, us. You heard it here, folks, on Mystery of Parenthood. <laughs> come live with us for a week. But... But I, but I, it made me think, you know, and she even she noticed, like, you know, when you don't have your phones and you can you can really engage the other person when you're not so jam packed with I've got to be here, I got to be there, you know, you know, light doesn't turn as fast as you want to, or somebody cuts in front of you and slows down, or whatever on the way, and and there's just so much angst, and it takes so long to kind of take a deep breath and we still haven't done that <laughs> right now, but take a deep breath and, and calm down and enjoy the fact that you're spending time with, with people, you know, here, Stephanie and, and Thaddeus, but with, with y'all as well and recognize that that really our interaction and our encounters with other people are where we find Jesus. And sometimes we're so busy doing stuff and cramming stuff into a short window of time that I think we miss him a lot in, in each other. And if we don't miss him, <laughs> sometimes we don't treat him the way he ought to be treated. You know, we don't, we don't respond with a kind word or a smile or whatever. And it did make me a little bit jealous. Now, now the fact there was no air conditioning <laughs> did not make me jealous. <laughs> I was, I was, I was actually getting stressed out just hearing her talk about being in the bottom bunk with no window and <laughs> no air and no fan and no nothing. And I'm thinking, okay, that's a cross that I don't want to have to bear. But um, I like my air conditioning <laughs> as I sit here sweating because <laughs> I, I, I hurried from the car in this nice 95 degree weather. But anyway, so yeah. I, I think that's a great point. I, yeah. You know, I, I've been thinking about that a lot. Yeah. And I, think I it hurried was, through my day. <laughs> it was. And it's not until you sit down. I mean, I think you have to make time. You do. And that's you really do. actually why that's I a like good doing point, this though. show. Well, you have to make time I mean, to just sit down. And, and But that is a good point that we, um, we really don't leave a lot of downtime, you know? Um, yeah, I don't, I mean, I, I've... I and, our, and, you know, we. I think that we became really good at, I think initially with kids, you know, we got caught up in the, because we are a culture of busyness and we are a culture of, um, you know, you got to be involved in this and have you signed up for this? And, oh my gosh, this is coming and, are, you know, do your kids play baseball and do your kids play soccer and do you, you know, and um, we got caught up in that rat race really quickly and easily and realized um, with six kids that, you know, everybody was going to get one activity. And even with every child having one activity, you know, life can be, uh, life can be kind of crazy. Um, <clears throat> I mean, but I hear, I hear young moms going through it all the time. And I, I just remember it was after number three for me that I realized I'm, I'm, you know, my, my kids are, are like, you know, we get dressed to go somewhere and they're like, where are we going? Are we late? You know, it was like, <laughs> you know, I mean, so um, it's um, it's good to build in. It's good to build in that downtime and not let yourself get caught up. Your kids are going to be fine. They, they're going to, you know, if they're athletic, they'll be athletic. If they can play a musical instrument, they'll play. I mean, if they've got a gift, you just have to find it. It doesn't need to be cultivated by, <laughs> you know, uh, 
yeah. five different. <laughs> and it took. I mean, it's not. I mean, that's that's everybody. I mean, we we struggled with it. Mm-hmm. We still even we now with they can get overcommitted. But but anyway, I guess the point is is listening to her made me realize that it's almost like you got to schedule some just downtime, no TV, no FaceTime, no nothing, but just sit around on a couch in a in a living room and. You know, you could pray or you could just sit there and, you know, stare at each other or, or you could just talk. But most good conversations that I've found are not, you know, like most business meetings, you know, agenda driven. I mean, most of them happen because you just start talking and something comes up and it reminds you of something else. And um, and then that person says, oh, that reminds me of this. And, and that's where the great conversations that I remember being involved in and even like last night was just making time um, to do it. So I think our challenge to each other is I think during the summer and and hopefully extending into next year, I mean next school year, um, that we need to consciously like book some time daily or at least weekly where, where we could where we just sit down, no TV, no screens, nothing, and let with maybe not even an agenda as to what are we going to talk about. Just okay, we're going to spend the next thirty minutes, and if we have nothing to say, we'll just stare at each other. I mean, <laughs> um, because last night I think we talked for probably two and a half hours yeah, with her, awesome. and and it was just it was really <clears throat> enriching and it was enjoyable, and it's like man, you know. Not only was she sharing that point, but we were actually living that point in that moment, you yeah. know. Yeah. So, anyway, um, we were gonna we we are going to talk about um, in in this month of Mary, and of course John Paul II being kind of the patron of this of the show, and and uh, and the fact that that prayer that we pray at the beginning is his, and because I think he has so much to to say, we were going to go through. It's interesting. This we found an article. I think did you send this to us, Thaddeus, a long time while back, or did we? I don't, I don't know. Remember. I think you. I think you found Maybe it. Maybe I found it. I can't wait to pray. It's I've slept since then, <laughs> once at least. <laughs> but uh, somebody found it. Probably me. I just don't remember. But but the the context of this article is somebody talked two Catholics talking together, and and a man you know saying he read he read. Um, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Effective Families. And the comment was made, you know, we should, you know, basically we as Catholics should should know better than <laughs> than Stephen Covey what, what the family's about. And mm. and this is this article is is an attempt to kind of extract seven he doesn't call it habits, he's seven seven pieces of advice, I guess for for families and some of this we've talked about but i think it's always good to kind of go back through and maybe read a few quotes of his and some comments on this and just see how do we apply this um to life but i think you'll hear echoed kind of where we've this show's been built for years this idea of the mystery of parenthood this idea of this um the invisible god making himself visible and tangible in and through us as parents and in and through our family interaction um, that he does that. So anyway, does that frame it all right? Maybe. Ready? <laughs> like it. Ready, set, go. <laughs> um, so the, fir- the, first, the first advice, and he doesn't put it like advice, but he, I think he, he breaks it down to ideas that, that we need to latch on to. And the first one is that the family is a foundation for life. And I like his, his, opening line this is not john paul but but the writer says that parents symbolize god for their children particularly in the early years that's what we've been saying all along we we're, we're we are given and, and in fact i think that the reality is is and this is the burden that we bear no matter what we do <laughs> the way the family's built and the way that the family interacts and the way parents handle each other and how way children are handled, we are communicating something about God <laughs> to, because God has said he's family, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. 
because of that, we know that we're going to symbolize. So the extent to which we try to be most like God or be like God is when we're living it correctly. But no matter what, if we are short with our children, if we are dismissive of our of our kids, it, we're communicating something, especially when they're young, <laughs> about God because that's how it's going to be received. It's kind of built into the DNA of a family. That's how God built families was to be a point of revelation to children about who God is. And I think, you know, I don't know, that kind of stresses me out a little bit. We're at, <laughs> we're at the end of the days. But I mean, I do think that that's the level of burden, the level of commitment that we need to start off with is that this is the foundation of life and of love, the family is, because we're going to symbolize God to them, whether it's an accurate reflection of who God is or not, is based on how we handle that, right? Right. But I think, remember, we always have mercy and forgiveness, and that is so, so important. I mean, we are not... No, no. We, we, we are called to perfection, but we are not perfection. And so to help kids humble themselves and, um, you know, for us to humble ourselves is a great example, I think, um, for children to take responsibility for actions when sometimes they're not right actions. Um, you know, if you ask, um, if you ask me, which I've never done any kind of studies or this is certainly not statistically significant, but I think one of our, the biggest problems in our world today, besides the fact that Jesus is, you know, we're not able to put Jesus at the center of everything is that, um, that kids don't, kids are not taught to take responsibility for their own actions. And um, I think that's just a huge thing in our world today. I, I, I completely agree. I, I would also flip it. The other side is because we fail, and I've said it before, we have to show them how to take responsibility for their, for the way they aren't being who they should be exactly and more often in our explaining to them and expressing to them how we fall short of living that out. And God loves us anyway. I mean, that's, that's, that's the God. God loves us even in our sinfulness. He doesn't want to leave us there. And he's always calling us to um, a deeper conversion, become more and more like him. So it's simultaneous. We're, we're revealing, if we mess up and we go to talk to our kids and say, you know, I really didn't handle that very well. I mean, you ought to do that relatively frequently. That shouldn't be infrequent. <laughs> when you examine how you've handled something, you, it should, you should not be afraid to go to your kids. I mean, obviously different ages, but particularly when they get older and be able to express, you know, I did not handle that very well at all. I got into an argument with my, with my son. I was right. <laughs> and, and, he, and when I went back to apologize to him, he said, Dad, you, know, you were right. And I said, I'm not apologizing, meaning that I was wrong. I'm apologizing for the way that I expressed yeah. my being right. I, I, I didn't express it well. That's not the way that I should have communicated that to you. And he's like, okay, I, I'll, you were right on the content, and I'll accept your apology on this, and I'm sorry. Please on forgive me for that. You know, on the delivery. <laughs> you know, that reminds me of I was listening to um, – David Frum, he's a senior editor at The Atlantic. So this is in a secular context. That name sounds familiar. He's a writer, commentator. (laughs) He said something really interesting. He was talking about trying to restore civility in our society. Mm -hmm. And he said, perhaps we should all start trying to live by having much higher standards for how we talk to people and how we say things and... Right. Holding ourselves to a much higher standard of um, civility and um, grace and common sense with people, and holding other people to a much easier standard of how they talk to us, of how they say things. So, so basically, yes, you know that's a very practical way of holding yourself accountable and taking more responsibility for yourself. Right. And I, and I, I don't, I can't name a, a particular saint, but I know that, that I've, I've read saints talking about that. That's exactly how you should approach everything that 
hold yourself to the standard, but be the first to be forgiving of somebody who right. falls below a standard. Right. And if you live that way, if everybody lived that way, then everybody would give other people breaks. Yep. <laughs> and and then they would say, you know, I've got something to work on myself. I, I've started praying every morning on the way to work, Lord, soften my heart. <laughs> It's just soften my heart, you know. And then someone cuts you off and you say, but not not just yet. <laughs> yeah, not, look, not too excuse much. Excuse me, Lord, time out. No. <laughs> right. but I mean, no, actually, that's Trey. I don't get angry at, at uh, traffic. That well, be, I do. <laughs> anyway, so Robin and I have always, so. <laughs> um, we've always operated to, or we've liked to say that we've tried to characterize our marriage by giving the other one the benefit of the doubt. Right. You know, so in our marriage relationship, always giving her the benefit of the doubt that she didn't, she probably didn't mean it that way. If I took it like she was being snotty or, right, you know, her giving me the benefit of the doubt that I wasn't being inconsiderate when I didn't uh, do something that she was hoping I would do. I was just being, you know, I was distracted or I was thinking about something else or, you know, it, it was not meant to hurt or meant to annoy. Well, you, you know, it's funny is, um, I, I've had multiple events as I've gotten older that have shown me that 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 more often than not, you know, you tend to have like the way somebody responds, the way they're acting, and you frame this is why they're doing that. And oftentimes it's because they're a bad person, you know. And I've been exposed more more recently to the fact that more often than not, I'm dead wrong on what the reasoning is for why. <laughs> They are doing what they did. The one that hit me was over Christmas. We were at a we were at a we were at a um, Christmas mass, and that and the priest was like going. He was whizzing through stuff, and and he didn't even give a homily. And this was like Christmas Eve, you know. And I always had problems, particularly with that parish, you know, a little bit about how and. You know, so you I hadn't thought, made this soften my heart prayer before. No, I hadn't. I was like, I can't believe this guy's doing this. I'm going to go to church tomorrow. I mean, what the heck? I mean, and he should be, and that you know, that's all what's going through my mind. Well, that guy he was having a heart attack. He he finished mass and was like ambulance to the ER. Are you kidding me? No, no. He he had he had had the no. heart attack up on the thing, but finished mass. <laughs> So he was heroic in wow. the mo in the moment. That's how wrong you can be. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's but, how wrong. But, I mean, but just, you want to? I mean, seriously though, that is such a good that I, I forgot I'm just about that example. Trey when he was given that piece of information. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. No, but it's no, but it's it, that is such a good example of how things never, never may be as they seem and because it was raining trey had to come around the side of the church which we would have never gone well, that too, out yeah. that side of the church and i'm as i'm standing there waiting for trey to bring the car here comes the priest literally being held by three or four men his collars like undone his shirt's been unbuttoned and he looks horrible and they and they are they've so, somebody said you called nine with you they had called nine one one. i mean yeah it and was he had had crazy. the event on the altar <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. why he was stud. Yeah, you know, so I'm saying so, yeah. so again, so there's a case where, you know, had did I not you ever seen find out it, if he was okay? Yeah. Yes, he did. Yeah. Man. He was, he was fine, but, yeah. but, but well, he wasn't fine. Well, not but fine. He's very God bless. Sick, but, yeah. but, yeah, but, 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 but it was, but I remember thinking to myself, okay, Lord, I, I get it. You know, give the benefit <laughs> of the doubt to, to people. I mean, the guy not only was not, I mean, he, he could have just, you were coming around that corner getting ready to lay into that priest, weren't you? <laughs> well, I wasn't, but uh, but at the same time, I mean, I would have had I done it. But, I mean, it was really a, a sense that we really do need to tend to try to lean towards giving other people the benefit but of the that doubt. that is not our tendency. No, it's not. Well, it's not. No, it's, not. <laughs> it's not at all. But, I mean, that was, you know, one that just hit me right between the eyes because it was like, okay, now he's a hero, not... <laughs> I mean, he could have just said, you know what, I'm done, mass is over, I need to go. And maybe he even should have done that, um, practically speaking. Um, but anyway, I've tried to work on that, but it's it's a work in progress. But I think those are all ways in which we communicate God's mercy, God's um, love, even in the midst of 
tension or even what, what perceived failure or whatever. Um, and that's, again, the family is the place where if they don't learn it there, you know, then yeah. how else, how are they going to learn And remember it? that, you know, it, l- l- listen to those words, learn it, you know, it lear- that means it's a process, right? You know, we, 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 we get there through a journey of living with one another. And so, um, you know, like I said, I'm, I, I tend to kind of hear things from the legalist perspective. So I always like to throw it out there because I know when I was a younger mom, now I'm old and tired. So it's like, you know. right. <laughs> but when I was younger, I was such a legalist about things. And so just remember that this, your home is just, I hope that you can see your home as this beautiful training ground that, you know, that for when, all for all of us, absolutely for all of us, when, so that when things don't go your way, when things, when you've trained and trained and trained and it doesn't, you know, the, the game doesn't go like you want it to, you know, the, or the outcome of the, you know, the behavior doesn't, it, it, it just means we all have more work to do. And so, um, you know, it's not, you don't ever like, get there. It's, it's, it's always a constant journey and, um, just enjoy being on the road. You know, I mean, it's just, I think that I, when I was young, when I was a younger mom, I was waiting to get there with my children's behavior and get there with my ability to be organized and get things done in a timely manner. And, oh, it's just not like that. Life is not like that. Life is messy and, um, and God is merciful. (laughs) That's a bumper sticker. (laughs) I could just see if I get a t-shirt. <laughs> t-shirt. Life is messy <laughs> and God, God is merciful. Again, <laughs> really you heard it here, folks. Right. That's right. <laughs> Copyright. Mystery of parenthood. No. Print it. Print it. Well, anyway, I think that's, uh, I hope y'all. All right. So what are some more uh, So Pope I'm going to read, read Pope John Paul here on the Foundation of Life. Just because it says, with the people of life and the people for life, this is John Paul II. The family has a de- decisive responsibility. Here it is a matter of God's own love, of which parents are co-workers and, as it were, interpreters when they transmit life and raise it according to his fatherly plan. So we're that, that idea of being co-workers with God and actually being interpreters of what life is, what love is. That's what's happening when we're talking about what we're saying here, the way that, you you know, trying to defer to one another, trying to, to give the benefit of the doubt to the other um, inside the family. They got to learn it there. I, I don't have the quote of G.K. Chesterton, but I, but there's one about, you know, if you can't learn to love, you know, Aunt Lucy, who you don't particularly like, how, that's inside your family. How are you going to learn the? How are you going to love the person outside the family if you can't? And it basically, what's communicating is it, it really is kind of the. Um, I don't know what the right analogy is, but the testing ground for trying things out and learning what it's like, so that when you go out into the world, because how else are they going to know that? I mean, how else are we going to know that if we don't experience it in that moment? So. Foundation of life and is one of those, and the fact that the dignity of all the people and the way we treat one another is showing them the value of life. Um, so anyway, the the next one is one we've talked about. In fact, it's there, there's a little tied to, to Red Sea here. Is that the idea of the domestic church that the family should see itself as it is, which is as the domestic church, hmm. and um, and so I'll read here the the. He's using the church fathers, uh, the domestic church in Familiaris Consortia, which is the Pope's book, which we were talking about last couple weeks, as a, and this is his quote, a church in miniature, a church in miniature, in such a way that in its own way is a living image and historical representation of the mystery of the church. Again, do you hear the echo of it's a living image. <laughs> it's, it is a historical representation of the mystery of the church. I and mean, it's the invisible reality of the church as the bride of Christ. Again, we're charged with being people who show life, but we got to, if, if they don't learn what the church 
they learn about the church like they learn about God through what the family is like, because the family is meant to be a living image of that. So one of the things I like to do and, and that it's important to, to remember is that they need to see that we've talked about this before, that when we give rules, it's for the good of the children, not because it's good for us. <laughs> it may not be, but because it's good for them. So limiting time on computers or on whatever, um, Anyway, the, I think that's really important to um, to make sure that we understand that 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 that's why. And then when rules are broken, that it's a place of forgiveness. It's a place of if somebody can name it and claim it and and be remorseful, that it's a place that's known for I can be forgiven here. You know, so the the rules are there, and that we do fail at living up to the rules. The rules are there for us, not as an imposition, but as something to help guide us. And that when we break those rules, it's not a place where like our membership in the family <laughs> is based on uh, is based on us following those rules. So I think that it kind of is a nice it's a place where you got both of those. Well, our daughter just got a, <laughs> sorry, I keep going back to the Haiti stories. It's just, it was just really so fun processing that with her last night. But, you know, we've always kind of talked about true freedom is the security of knowing that everyone sort of has some rules to follow and everyone's going to hopefully try to abide within those rules. Well, Haiti has no lanes. Like they have no there's no right. <laughs> car lanes. Like there's no yes. right or wrong side. There's no speed limits. There's no, you know, I mean, there's lots of people's on, on bicycles. She said there's tons of honking because people are warning people that they're coming around the corner or they're passing you on a bicycle or whatever. And so <laughs> our daughter got a little bit of what life was life was like in one area without rules. I mean, rules provide us with security and safety. I know we've talked about that, that true freedom is not, you know, um, a, a limitless world with no rules. <laughs> That's not true freedom. We'd be scared to death to walk outside of our <laughs> doors and get in right. our cars if we, you know, had no rules about speed limits and which side do we drive on and, um, you know, the lights. But our, but our ability, that simultaneous with, I mean, this is just one way. I mean, you, there's so many different ways you can, image the church. I mean, are y'all having a regular meal together around a table? I mean, that's another, are you, are you, are you, um, praying together? Those are all ways that we're a living image. I mean, where are we in a place where we're safe to be able to talk about our weaknesses and not put on airs or pretense? Um, is this a place where we can be ourselves and become more ourselves at the same time that we're challenged to become more than what we currently are. And that should be a place that's part of the culture of, of yours. And I think that is a reflection of being a, a church in miniature, because I can guarantee you again, you're going to reflect the church. If they see rules as impositions that are not for them, but merely for the sake of showing one's authority and being in power and, 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 and lording it over them, if they see that, then they're going to see all authority, including church authority, when they grow up, I think, as that. Instead of accepting a rule and saying, hey, I ought to investigate that rule because they're, because I grew up in a place where I maybe didn't agree with it. But when I talk with mom and dad about it, or as I grew up, I saw that there was wisdom in that. Like, we don't go see R rated movie. That's just, the, the, you know, if R. Then no, <laughs> I mean it was. I mean it's an algorithm at our house, and, and that's that doesn't mean that there aren't exceptions to it. But we've talked about it, and then there have been times as they've grown older, and they've and they've been given the freedom to go do it, spending their own money, doing whatever. That they've oftentimes come back and said, "You know what, <laughs> you're right," or "You know what, I should not, have probably yeah, not come doing and, whatever." 
Right. Right. (laughs) Let's just be clear. Not doing whatever. Do it. Go paying their own money and going. No, I know. Well, what this reminds me of too is um, it reminds me of when they were um, younger, and kind of that always um, giving the benefit of the doubt sort of mindset. Um, We had when we were doing that growing kids God's way, and they had that. um, They had they had great. great ways for you to carry out, you know, really good ways for you to carry out, um, carry out things in your family life. You had discipline issues in your family life. And one of them was when you asked a kid to do something and they said, you know, they were, you could tell they were frustrated or they said no, you know, or they, you know, they'd throw a fit if you, you know, tried to get them to stop doing something and it was time to do something else or, you know, whatnot. And, and they, they said, they talked about using this phrase, may I appeal, which I loved because for me, that meant we, if you told a child to do something, instead of them saying no or throwing a fit because they were frustrated, they had the opportunity to say, may I appeal, which meant I have some more information for you that you're not seeing here. You know, right. um, and so, I mean, just for example, like you tell a kid to, you know, okay, it's time to pack up and get off the computer. It's time to eat dinner or whatever. Well, if they had two or three more minutes left on a game and you're telling them, nope, pack it up, time to shut it down, you know, um, to be able to say, instead of throwing a fit or, or you know, uh, but to say to your parent, may I appeal to me, that's so respectful of, I want to obey you and I hear what you're telling me to do. But can I give you some more information? For example, um, and it it worked well. Once we, you, I mean, it took a lot of training to get that whole you know kind of mindset mentality. But it was it worked great. It does, and, and it diffuses situations mm-hmm. as well. But the may I appeal? Number one, it allows them to express the fact that they have some dignity, and we can respond to it. So I always said that if there's any way for me, if they had a good point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, for me to say yes, not only may you appeal, but if they provided good information to allow that to happen. So come to dinner right now. It's time to eat. May I appeal? Yes. What, what, do, you, what do you got? Well, we've been watching this show. We're, we're watching this TV show. We're 25 minutes. It literally has five minutes to go, and we're at the very end. It'll be over in five minutes. Can we have five more minutes? That's additional information that I'm like, yeah, okay, five more minutes is fine. We don't have to eat right now. But as soon as it's over, you need to turn it off and and come. And what that bread was, their ability to express, it wasn't like so authoritarian that we didn't take into account things that we maybe didn't see or recognize. I mean, I remember my grandfather when he lived, one of my, my dad's dad, you know, when it was time to eat, he didn't say it was time. To, I mean, literally he walked over to the TV, turned it off and said, Everybody in the kitchen, you know, time to go. I mean, didn't ask. That's what I like. You I know. like that. <laughs> didn't, like, didn't like that. I mean, and, I, and I'm using TV for it could be whatever. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, you know, we're in the middle of a, of a game. game. And yeah. and the, and and that what we always said was okay. We can you can appeal, and we're going to say yes. And what what's great is if you have a if you have a, a culture that's like that. There are times when you say, no, you may not appeal. We're, we're, we're leaving for church, and we're going to be late if we don't go now. You, we need to go this minute. And it's amazing how much when they knew, okay, this is serious. I mean, we, we've got something that we've got to go do, that they were more responsive to stop because they knew that they had a history of if mom and dad would let us do it if, if it was okay to do right now. And so I don't know. I love that. You yeah. know, it's a we, do, always, we do something similar in my house. We don't have. I'm not crazy about that. that phrase, I know, and but we always we do something for very a different. Phrase, we try to find a different. But phrase. we never could. We talk to them about don't instead of flying off the handle. Ask a question. Just you know, yeah. ask a question, and try to yeah try yeah. to get to you know understand the situation a little bit better if you want it to not be the way we're asking it to be. Right. And you're right. I mean it. It takes an enormous amount of training. Yes, and it does. Even it's hard. It's not easy to do that as a as an adult. Even in a yeah. No, I mean yeah. No, I'm la- I'm laughing because we really did. We tried May forever to find yeah. We just couldn't find yeah. Can I ask you something? Concisely. Can I tell you something? 
I've got some I don't more know. information. The may I appeal the the thing it's kind of like the whole thing with Madison, you know, when she when she was asking me all those questions and I realized she wasn't asking as a curious why 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 two year old. She was asking as kind of a um confronting this. confronting yeah, like I'm 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 challenge it was a challenging why, you know. Um and that was when we went through that, you know, Yes, mom, may I ask why? It was sort of, there was some sort of, and the same thing with may I appeal. There was some, a little bit of a submissive mm-hmm. piece it's to that. It's very respectful. Yeah, yeah. And so that's why we never could, because like, can I tell you something? Was like, mm. you know, <laughs> I don't know. It, yeah, so I, I get it because we, we, yeah, we, we didn't really my, like my, it. My we mother just, still laughs about him. And our kids still Trevor laugh about saying, it now. Yeah. yeah, may I appeal. Yeah, yeah. But. <laughs> <laughs> We're not saying that's the word, but yeah, I think what yeah. you what you do is want to foster yeah, a code a, word or a code yeah. sentence that says, "Hey, mom and dad, I've got something else to tell you that might impact how you're." Yeah, what you're trying it, to make me do. To Yo, dad, do. listen up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now you've got to get the stone. Oh, no, anyway. So listen to me, dad. We move on. <laughs> no. Oh my goodness! All right, number three: uh, that the family should be the nursery of society and the church. Um, this is pretty. Uh, we've already kind of talked about this, but John, quoting John Paul II: "The future of the world and the church passes through the family." We find this principle enunciated. This is not him. This is the writer. We find this principle enunciated time after time. All these, but anyway. Everything that we have, it's if you think about the nursery and the fact that the nursery is a kind of a place of of rest, a place of um, of going um, to be refreshed, and a place of protection, and a place of learning how to do what a place of being cleaned up. I mean, if you think about a nursery, I like the idea of of that. He the the writer ends up. Um, with these words, all these foundational human skills talking about how to, how to deal with each other inside the family of relating to, to others are fashioned first in the family, in the family, a sense of vocation and of discipleship is formulated. So for the Pope, the future begins with the family. That's something we've already just said, I think, Mm -hmm. is, is that if they can't learn how to interact with people, how to be forgiving people, how to, engage with without temper tantrums that's our job we want to put them out there prepared to do that and if we look at it as a process like you said as a journey mm-hmm. um then anyway yeah so the nursery. Yeah. i like the idea of the nursery i had yeah. never heard that one before yeah yeah um let's see i've lost yeah you got all these pages all screwed up i do <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, um, the other one, we're what, at, we're at eight minutes. Yeah, we got so, eight minutes. Man, this show um, always flies by. <laughs> so parents minister to their children. I think me and you and Thaddeus, I mean, you and I talked about this, Thaddeus. I think this is echoing this idea of there being a um, an office of being a parent. Oh, you know, yeah. In a canonical yeah. office. He doesn't say that directly here, but he... It says the Pope greatly respects the role of Christian parents in the life of the church. He challenges them, challenges parents, by vir- virtue of their ministry of educating. So it's he's saying it's a ministry what you're doing. Parents are, through the witness of their lives, the first heralds of the gospel of their children. Furthermore, by praying with their children, by reading the word of God with them, and by introducing them into the body of Christ, both the Eucharistic and ecclesial body, they become fully parents and that they are begetters, not only the bodily life, but also the spiritual life. So we have to, again, have this entire person mentality, this theology of the body that we're ministering, not just to their bodily needs and not just to their spiritual needs, but to the entire person and that we are not remiss in one or the other. You can find yourself in this world, I think, because so much time, particularly as they grow older, is emphasized on, you know, chemistry and algebra and calculus. And you spend so much time on those things and they occupy you know, that homework and 
occupies so much time that you can get to where you don't spend enough time on the spiritual side, that you don't spend enough time talking to them about spiritual matters and how does what's going on in their life apply to their Christian walk, you know? Mm-hmm. So you, again, walking along with them, you have to be looking at them as, okay, they're dealing with this problem, but you have to contextualize it as, you know, well, how would Jesus do it and help them walk through it? through it. You're ministering to them. And, and that's your job as a parent. And honestly, for society, for, for the church, for everybody, we need to take that job seriously. And we need to really work on it day to day. And you have to be, again, purposeful and intentional in doing it. Um, for us, you know, as we talked about just earlier, the intentionality of setting aside time for one another that's just downtime is harder and harder. But if you don't book it, mm-hmm. it ain't happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's where the intentionality comes in. And I just think it's so important. I mean, you know, I think the family has certainly taught me, <laughs> you know, something that I've taken away in, in trying to teach our children is that, our faith needs to be the transparency over which we live our lives, work, going to the grocery store. <laughs> I mean, it's all, you know, every single thing we do should be under the transparency of our faith and, and, and what we believe. Um, yes. I mean, so, yeah. um, the next one, there's the last two. The next one is, one that I love because I think we miss it and we kind of touched on a little bit, at least an idea, a spirituality of the ordinary mm. is something that should happen in, in the family. And so, um, John Paul II in discussing about prayer says that prayer involves joys and sorrows, hopes and disappointments, birthday and birthday celebrations, wedding anniversaries of the parents, departures, separations and homecomings important and far-reaching decisions, the death of those that are near, etc. All of these mark God's loving intervention in the family's history. The thing I like about that is all those small things to, to show that God is actually into the details, into all those little things and the big things. But more often than not, most of life are little things. I mean, most of life is... You know, a simple, I mean, a simple joyful moment when maybe you, you win an award or something like that. That, I mean, you, you know, know what we've been having a lot, a lot of what's that is simple, joyful moments of laughter and happiness and yes, just within the family over an ordinary little thing, something that the four year old says or something that the two year old does or some. Absolutely you know, profound question that the eight year old or the nine year old yes. has, or you have to enjoy just them. those, mm-hmm. just those times together. And, and you, you know, Robin and I, we look at each other and, and we have just that sparkle in our eyes and we hold on to each other and we fall. We, I mean, I get the kind of, I fall, have the falling in love feelings <laughs> and those moments that I had yes. when we first fell in love. It's incredible. Yeah. It is. It's incredible what children do. Yeah. That they are conveyors of that, um, that it's just the passion way. and yeah. love that you have for each yeah. other. Yeah. People yeah. don't. Yeah, th- there it is. That's give that enough credit. Point. That's a great point because I think that I find as old as our kids are getting older, and as we're getting older by <laughs> extension, <laughs> maybe it's vice versa. I don't know, but is the fact that those simple. Lat times of laughter. I mean, I find myself so much appreciating them just sitting around and laughing in the sense of humor one, <laughs> even poking fun at another in, in good fun, not, not, not yeah. to where it's, they're taking it and they're laughing. I, those are some of my favorite times and they're as simple and as mm-hmm. ordinary as it gets. Mm-hmm. I, but it's like, you know, I actually like these people <laughs> and, and that's what we, so we always want to raise kids that we like <laughs> and we will always be their parents. 
But, you know, when they're 30, I want to say, you know, I actually like spending time with them. And I hope that they say, I like, I actually like spending time with, with you, dad, you mom, you know, and that's it. But, but anyway, I, um, I think the last one, we don't have much time, but we got to talk about families become what you are, meaning you are meant to be a living image of, um, of the Trinity of love that's where they learn to love. That's where they experience love. That's where they learn how to love and what the beauty of that is. They learn how to laugh. They learn how to cry. They learn how to support one another in that. That's what a family's meant to be. It's not meant to be like a production factory of brilliant kids who are going to go out and invent the next And That's fine, <laughs> but they're meant to be people that are um, – it's meant to be a place of life and love ultimately. So Amen. anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, I went a little rogue here on Good, the go first. Go rogue. <laughs> rogue. Rogue. Yeah. Rogue well, one. It is in the Bible, but <laughs> um, I decided on um, Ephesians 3, 14. And Bam. I know, and I can't, I think I have to go all the way through 19. It's yeah. just all so beautiful. Um, so that's a, it's a long one, but, but bear with me. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Bam. I think that just says what we talked about in like five verses. I don't have time to say that that was the verse <laughs> I was thinking of before we, after we started, but anyway, uh, go ahead. so remember only God can help you take the mystery out of parenthood. Pray parent with a purpose and prepare for God to amaze you. God bless. God bless. Press. We're praying for you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this local production of Red Sea Catholic Radio. Tune in next week at the same time to hear Trey and Stephanie Cashin share more on the mystery of parenthood. 